Rockstar Energy Punch, bringing a bold and unapologetic flavor packed with energy through a blend of B vitamins, guarana extract, and 240 milligrams of caffeine to fuel what's next. Rockstar Energy Drink. And welcome to Across the County. I'm Noah. Thanks for joining me. Well, on today's show, we're going to dive back into another chat with one of my favorite people, Rick Elkin. And you can go to rickelkin.com, find out all about what he does. And basically, in a nutshell, he's the unabashed super spreader of Americanism. And I just think that's terrific. He's author of For Your Own Good and something we're going to be talking about and tying into the discussion a little bit later on, The Neighborhood Hijacker, the heroic effort to stop the plundering of our community. He's a political commentator, a columnist, and has impeccable taste in music. That's probably the best thing of all. Rick, how you doing? I'm great, Noah. How are you? I'm doing well, and you and I have been talking on and off the air, and I think something that needs to be addressed, because quite frankly, even myself, I don't pay attention to this as much as I should, and that is the topic of branding. And what do I mean by branding? And I'm not talking about marketing here. I'm actually talking about supporting certain organizations and services that align with your values. Who are you giving your money to? Are you giving your money to organizations that don't line up morally with what you stand for? And I think to some extent, Rick, we're all a little guilty of this, whether we know it or not. This is a bigger deal than most would like to think, especially as the culture gets more and more, hate I say it, dystopian. In a, If you want a better world, you should align your values with those you do business with. What do you think? Well, I couldn't agree with you more, and I think one of the first things we all need to do is kind of understand what we're talking about. Branding is essentially um, uh, identity. You're forming an identity. So people brand themselves, like myself, I'm an author, so you use the word uh, super spreader of Americanism. That's kind of my brand. I use that as my identity. And uh, so people create an identity for themselves, and they want that to you know, reflect, reflect certain values, things that they admire, um, the kind of clothes they wear, the, the people they associate with. So this is our personal identity. And then corporations and businesses, they create an identity for a different reason. They do it to collect. We do it as people to reflect. They do it to collect. So they're trying to collect customers. So what they're doing is presenting an image that they think their customers will admire uh, and aspire to and purchase from. So branding has these two kind of dual purposes depending on where it's being applied, but it's incredibly important uh, for the success of a business and also for the you know, socialization of people. Um, you know, if you uh, walk into a party and recognizing that we either belong or we don't belong is a function of branding, you know? so. Uh, you don't want to go to a party where there's nobody there that you relate to, that you can really understand the language, that, you know, they don't have anything uh, comfortable or, or complimentary to talk about. So you turn around and leave. And that's perfectly normal. And the same thing is true in all of our social interactions. We make judgments based on branding. So let me give you a quick example, and then we'll talk specifics. But the example is Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola was developed you know, I don't know what it's, 75, 80 years ago uh, as a syrup, and it became a very popular, you know, uh, drink, soda. Um, And the people shortened its name from Coca-Cola to Coke. Well, that's kind of a sign 
of uh, you know friendship that people like that product and so they gave it a very friendly name and it stuck and so Coke has become probably the most ubiquitous brand name in the history of mankind. It's all over the world and it's highly respected until recently. And now all of a sudden they've waded into politics. And from what we understand, they're training their employees in CRT, critical race theory, they're uh, telling their employees, their white employees that they're corrupt and that they need to change their ways and all this kind of stuff. And so all of a sudden people are saying, you know what? I'm not sure I want to support this anymore. And you can go through the line. There's a bunch of different companies that have done this. Uh, I think of Apple and I think of uh, Nike. Yeah, I love um, that, that you're bringing up some of these companies. And I think what people need to do is just take a personal inventory, Rick, because where is the line when you're enjoying yeah. a service or a product that we that we like or we love it, you know, where yeah. the ideals being promoted by said brand are contrary to the consumer. I think we're all, as I said at the beginning of the show, a little guilty of this. Uh, for me, notably, let's take Disney for an example, and another big one. You know, I've always been a huge Disney fan over the years. I proposed to my fiance at Disneyland. I took my kids there as a single father when they were growing up. And now they own Star Wars. And the listeners know if they are a part of my show on a regular basis. I'm a huge Star Wars fan, Rick, and the recent Obi-Wan Kenobi series just wrapped up last night. I caught it, watched it with my son, bonded. It was awesome, and the finale left me wanting more. I was satisfied. Stay tuned. Actually, a little bit later on, here's a little bit of a tease. I'll have a chat with either Matt Mungle or Transmute Pictures to review that. But all that said about Disney, they used to have traditional values, that I actually admired. And they've exponentially, Rick, eroded of late. And the company's overall message, their overall message to the consumer outside of my niche likes or love within the company, they greatly concern me. So again, I ask you, and this is going to be a different answer for everybody, where is the line? Well, it's tough to draw because like you said, there's a lot of these products that we not only love and have grown up with, uh, but also that we depend on. Uh, there's only in some uh, certain um, you know market segments. There's only so many suppliers, and so you have to pick and choose. And uh, for example, I have a real problem with AT and T. Well, I also use Direct TV for my television source, and I've shopped all the other ones. I've tried a couple of the other ones, and I find this to be the best provider for my needs. But I have a problem with that because they're owned by AT and T. And I, I, I find the, the, the issue with them waiting in the politics, you know, troubling, to say the least. So, so we all have to look at these things and we have to decide, okay, you know, are we going to pod or what are we going to do, write a letter to the president and the CEO? And, you know, so at what point, like you said, do we draw the line? And I, I know there's a lot of cases where we really can't. We can't draw the line. But there are others where we can I think that's what we have to do. I always call it my circle of influence. We all have a circle of influence. We have to focus our energies on what we can do, not what we can't do. So if we can focus our energies on a circle of influence amongst our friends, our neighbors, our relatives, those kinds of things, then it's okay. And that's what we should try to do is take a stand. Now, I'm not one for disrupting Thanksgiving dinner over politics. That's not my point. I think what we have to do is just be personally responsible. Uh, for example, 
I won't wear the logos of Nike. Okay, I just decided I can buy clothes from somebody else. I'm not going to support Nike. Um, that's the end of it. I threw all everything I had that had a Nike swoosh on it in the trash. Now, does anybody really care what I wear? Probably not, but I care. I don't want to be a walking billboard for a company that violates my my personal values. Um, some of these companies, you know, have waded in to tell me that I'm a problem. Uh, that now all of a sudden, you know, I'm a bad person. Because so it's almost like what you were saying, Rick, uh, before you mentioned Nike. We kind of have to choose the cultural battle. Maybe we're not going to stop using all the products and services that we like that don't align with our values, but which ones are more important to us to sever that tie with and not go maybe scorched earth across the board? Exactly. You know, I, I've, I've decided now I'm, I'm wearing sportswear by Ocean Pacific or Hang Ten or you know, there's a number of companies that I have no, I, I enjoy, and I enjoyed for years, and I support them, and they support me. Uh, some of them are not even in business anymore. I had a friend ask me the other day, you know, what's what's that logo? And I told him it was a, a ski company that I used to work with, and they said, well, they're not in business anymore. And I said, yeah, but their values are. And, oh, I hadn't thought about that. Well, that's my point. I hit a note with that person and made them think just a little bit about what they're advertising when they wear logos. Well, you know what I like, Rick, too, and you know, I'll get into a little bit more of you know clothing here personally for me in just a second. But sometimes it's great when you'll find a company out there, and they might not have a liberal set of values. They might not even have a conservative set of values. You find them as a neutral business that sells a product, and that way. You can enjoy, I think, the product more from that stance because they're operating it like a business and they're not bringing politics into it at all. Exactly. I try to do businesses with people who put out really good products that support their employees, that don't, um, uh, you know, initiate, um, like, for example, uh, uh, initiatives that enforce them to adopt a certain lifestyle or whatever. Um, you know, anybody that is, I think, supporting traditional American values of freedom and liberty, letting us all pursue happiness, those are the kinds of companies I'm going to give my hard-earned dollars to, and I'm going to try to get anybody in my sphere of influence to do the same. I love it. And, you know, you were talking with me a little bit the last time we, uh, in full disclosure, we've had this chat before, and uh, we had a little bit of a technical snafu, and uh, I lost the audio. So, But when we were talking last time, I, I love that you were telling me that you actually, sometimes, you'll you'll actually get clothing, and you'll put the, the, the logos of these conservative companies on that, almost kind of like a DI, uh, DIY kind of a thing. And I think that's awesome. You know, maybe they don't particularly make a whole lot of clothing on your on their own, but you can find their logo if you want to promote conservative values. Find one that lines up with you. Find their logo. Slap it on a shirt. Yeah, you can do that. As long as you're not reselling it, there's no violation of their trademark. Well, it's just like anything else. You can make yourself a billboard <laughs> and, 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 you know, invest in your own values and your own likes. Um, so that's what I do. And, you know, some of these companies have really cool, uh, logos they do. as far as I'm concerned. It's beautiful, you know? So, well, and I like, so you know, I, you know, full that. disclosure, I'm a, a lover of fashion and style has kind of been one of my hobbies over the years. And I often will, I like wearing sneakers or, or kicks with logos on them. 
And it's one thing that I've actually have not paid attention to with brands and branding and what the companies stand for, but I might start paying a little bit more attention to that because if you're going to be wearing somebody's logo, it obviously stands for something. Absolutely. And it's free advertising for them, you know, and that's, you walk into the men's department in most major, uh, you know, stores right now, uh, clothing stores, and Nike is ubiquitous. It's everywhere. Uh, and, and that alone annoys me <laughs> because uh, they're, I'm sure their quality is good and all that. That's one thing. And that's important to me. But I think the other thing about it is that their logo is everywhere. You can't watch sporting events without seeing the players in baseball and football and soccer, all with that, you know, Nike swoosh on it. It's gotten to be obnoxious. And, and it's not just them. It's all of this advertising that's everywhere you go, wherever there's a blank space, somebody now is selling that for advertising. If there's people walking by, there's any traffic, that becomes an advertising revenue generator. And, and these large companies particularly have the revenue to do that. And, I, you know, it's, just, it's almost like, you know, uh, walking down the street in L.A. and, and looking at all the uh, stuff on the walls and, you know, it's terrible. It's ruined the neighborhood. It ruins the, uh, the ambiance of the neighborhood. And now I think this advertising is just completely out of control. It used to be, you know, isolated to, you know, uh, billboards and signage and television and so forth. But now, I mean, it's all over your shoes, your pants, your shirts, your hats, your belts. I don't care what it is you have. Everybody's got to have their logo on it. Yeah, it, it, it's something that I actually enjoy, but I'm not hearing you talk about it. You are. You're literally giving the company, whatever company it is, and it can be liberal, it can be conservative. You're giving them, so be aware, you're giving them free advertising. And you're associating yourself with them, so people who know you associate your values with them. Even if that's not accurate, accurate that's what somebody's going to think. Exactly. And so that's why you have to, I think you have to be a little more selective about that kind of thing. Um, And, you know, I saw a guy driving down the street the other day in a brand new car. And I was behind him at a stoplight, and I noticed that it had a big, I don't know if it was a uh, decal or if it was actually painted on there, but it was a big logo of the dealer he bought it from with their, you know, their little statement below it and all that. And I thought, I wouldn't allow somebody to do that to my new car. You know, I would, before I took delivery on that, I'd say, hey, take your advertisement off my car. I'm not a driving billboard for your car unless you want to pay me for it. You want to pay me to drive around with your logo on my car every month and pay my gas? Actually, funny Come that on. you say that because I, I bought a car at the beginning of the year. Absolutely love it. Kind of a little bit of a niche car. And I have been wanting to because I own it now. So especially since I own it, I'm not make, making payments on it to take off the license plate frame with a dealership on it and put some particular, probably Star Wars related or something like that. Yeah. Kind of a fun thing that shows my personality. Instead, I'm exactly. giving them... Free advertising free with the, advertising. You know, the name of the dealership all over that. You know, just little things. I mean, is it that big of a deal? Probably not. But you are. You are giving them advertising. Yeah. Well, this, this leads to the part of the discussion I think is important, and that is that we all have to stand up and be counted for. Exactly. And, you know, people will say, well, you want to go vote. Okay, that's fine. That's one element of doing that. Um, but it's getting to the point now where we really have to focus, in my opinion, on very local uh, issues and areas where we can have that influence. Uh, for example, the school bo- school boards. If you have kids in school, you need to get involved. You need to go to the meetings. You need to let your values be heard. 
um, because I believe my generation, I'm a baby boomer, really did a poor job of that. We have ignored and um, abused the uh, school system and let them um, hijack our parenting rights. And so now all of a sudden these school boards are telling parents, you're terrorists, we're going to raise your kids because you don't know how and you don't do it the right way. And if you come in here and challenge us, we're going to have you arrested. Well, and this is where I relate it to your your new book. And maybe the subject doesn't exactly line up, but it's similar. People can check out your new book. Well, it's not your new book. It's actually one of your older ones, The Neighborhood Hijacker. Get it at rickelkin.com. Because this is all about community and protecting your community and standing up for your community. And if you want to keep it local, it doesn't really get any more local than our individual communities around the county of San Diego, around the state. And you have to stand up for your kids. It, you can do this in many ways. You can do, go, you know, go be a part of the school boards, show up at the meetings. But tell us what happened in this book and what you had and what had to happen, because I find this fascinating, Rick. Well, I live in a, uh, we call a country club community of Northwest Escondido. Uh, and my wife and I moved here 38 years ago. Um, and, and shortly after moving here, I joined the local golf course country club. And part of that is because I'm a golf addict, but the other part of it is I wanted to, you know, get to know people in the neighborhood, make new friends, all that kind of stuff. So it turned out to be one of the best things I ever did. My wife ended up going to work there on a part-time basis for, I think, almost nine years. And, you know, we really met lots and lots of people, and we got involved in a lot of social activity, made a lot of new friends. So it was very, very important to our establishment of our family, our community, all that. Uh, and then suddenly, in 2012, you know, we three or four years after the Great Recession hit, and the, all the communities were hit hard. People were out of work. Um, you know, we were having issues with the water. Um, there was a drought, and there still is. Uh, so there was all these problems that I call perfect storm came in, and our country club went bankrupt. And it went, its note went for sale. It owed the bank money. The bank auctioned the note to get their money back. And nobody showed up except for one guy, and he happened to be from Beverly Hills, and he was a speculator. And he purchased 110 acres of flat land in North Escondido County that wanders between 600 homes. Uh, he bought the whole thing for $2.3 million and immediately announced that he was going to close the golf course and turn it into a housing track. And so me and a bunch of people said, well, no, that isn't going to happen. <laughs> Sorry, but that would be disastrous. Well, we got into, ended up in a 10-year battle. The first three or four years of it was very intense. And that's when I started to realize I needed to be a part of this battle to save my neighborhood. And I started writing a blog, and that turned into a book. And now I've got five books. And you know, and, and if myself. you hadn't stood up and maybe said, okay, well, other people will take care of it. Well, think if those other people hadn't stood up. This guy would have gotten away with it, and that is how we lose the community. Well, and you know what? The beauty of it was that the whole neighborhood did come out, and we had meetings uh, probably every month or every six weeks where we would have 600 people or more meet in a church meeting room, and we would advise and discuss what are we going to do, how are we going to stop this? Because it, was, it became a major political issue, and the book documents it all, so I won't go into all that right now, but the point is, is it was a very settled, very um, prestigious 
Um, very, uh, we used to call it our little uh, corner of paradise. Everyone loved living here. And you had this central um, sort of a unifying element of the country club where you could take your kids swimming, you could play golf, you could go to uh, Saturday night uh, dance parties, all this kind of stuff. And all of that was going to go away. And for four years, it was abandoned and overgrown and turned into an unbelievably bad eyesore. And it was massive, massive. It, it drove the price of the homes way down. Uh, so we, we were suffering. It was, I called, I started a website called the war on Escondido. It was a war on this com- community. Um, now having said all that, it's now 12 years later, we lost the war. There's now 400 houses built there and the community is slowly but surely starting to recover. But during that time, many of the long time residents died or were forced to move, uh, for a variety of reasons, economics, um, you know, the situation with the place being abandoned, all these things fell into some of their decisions as to whether to stay or leave. Many of them lost at a, left at a major economic loss. Well, the point is here, Rick, and we're gonna, I'm actually going to give you a, a chance here to wrap up in about 60 seconds. I just find this fascinating. We can make a whole show out of this, actually, is there's a common theme. There's a common thread between the story that we're telling, which is the subject of one of your first books, which is The Neighborhood Hijacker. Again, rickelkin.com. Check it out. And the beginning of the show, talking about branding, standing up. What are you going to do? Is it going to be across the board? Or maybe it's not across the board, but what brands are you going to represent through products and services? Because there has to be a line. When is enough enough? When do you stand up for what you believe in and your values at the local level or at the branding level? Because if you don't think it's worth it and you never stand up, eventually you're going to look up and you're not going to recognize the community. You're not going to recognize the country that you live in. Uh, Rick, in 60 seconds, what are your thoughts on that? Wrap us up. My newest book, um, For Your Own Good, uh, addresses that exact question. Is What does it take to make people get out of their own way, stand up, and be counted? At what point do you uh, put enough value on something that you're willing to you know, sacrifice? Maybe even your life. And I think my generation has been fortunate that we haven't been confronted with any world wars and we haven't been marched off and, and, and killed in a world war. Um, and, you know, the last one really was, was uh, Vietnam. And we lost a lot of young men. But recently, since then, we haven't had that problem. So now we're confronted with a society that's kind of fat and happy and uh, kind of reluctant to get involved. And I think this is something that is really hurting us and could, term- could be terminal for the whole idea of a constitutional republic. Exactly. And you and I will do a whole other show on that shortly because you hear it pushed out. Democracy, save the democracy, save the democracy. Yeah, we are a kind of democracy, but we are a republic of states. Not the same thing as a true democracy. And people need to be reminded of that. And that's why when we're talking about branding at the beginning of the show, tied it into your book, The Neighborhood Hijacker, it's important Because you might not think wearing a T-shirt with a logo that doesn't line up with your values is that big of a deal. You don't do anything. Nothing might happen. But you might wake up one day and, again, not recognize the place that you're living. Rick, thanks so much for taking the time. People can get all of your books at rickelkin.com. I highly recommend they check out your newest one. 
which is for your own good. And the one that I'm fascinated by, and you were just gracious enough to send me the Kindle version of the Neighborhood Hijacker, all those and more at rickelkin.com. Thanks for stopping by, buddy. It was a great chat today and hopefully thought provoking for the audience. Let's do it again real soon, my friend. Always. Take care. Noah here and across the county. Go to rickelkin.com. Check out his books. He's the unabashed super spreader of Americanism, something we always promote with him right here on this show. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Stay cool this summer with AC Pro and O'Reilly Auto Parts. Right now, get a $15 O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card after mail-in rebate with the purchase of select AC Pro ready-to-use refrigerant products that include a hose and gauge. Beat the heat before you hit the road with AC Pro at your local O'Reilly Auto Parts store. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.